1: Had you ever thought of yourself before as a a brave person, a great someone who took control of situations, or was this what you did? Did that surprise you? Well,
2: I, I'm a, a New Year's baby, which means I'm a Capricorn, and you know Capricorns um, are those those goats that climb the hill, and they don't look to take charge. But if the situation needs someone to take charge, they do it. They're not looking for it, but if nobody else is doing it, they just do it.
1: I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. In 1977, Carmela Alifi and her then-husband Bayer bought a big old house in Atlanta, Georgia. Carmela describes it as a Charleston dog walk house. And in a Charleston house, every room opens into a long central hallway. You can open the front door and see all the way into the backyard. She and Bear paid just over $32,000 for it. And the plan was that they'd live on one side and rent out the other side. This was in a part of Atlanta known as Little Five Points.
2: Little Five Points was a really artsy area. And uh, this is like 78. There was like organic restaurants, which you know back then there just weren't many of those kinds of places. There was the shoe store that had Birkenstocks. Like that was their main thing, the Birkenstock store. And there was the Little Five Points Pub where the Indigo
3: Girls would play. I was about 21 years old and had just moved to Atlanta, had probably been there maybe
1: about six months. Kathleen Rabinovitz was renting the other side of Carmela's house. And we were working uh, in the
3: house, in the apartment, and we were actually, uh, it was in July, actually, it was really hot, and we were steaming wallpaper off the walls. It was just layers and layers of wallpaper that we were scraping off. And there was about uh, six of us there.
2: We'd been at it all day, just steaming wallpaper off of the walls.
1: They decided to take a break. Carmela was watering her plants in the front yard. Her friend Steve was keeping her company. And we noticed that
2: a couple of police cars go by. And then a police van goes by. And we're kind of eyeing each other, like, what What the heck is going on here? And then motorcycle cops go by, more police cars. And I said, Steve,
3: this is weird. Maybe something's going on. I was actually sitting in the living room by myself, listening to some music I had on a headset. And I just saw this stranger walk into the living room. And I kind of thought, where did he come from? He turned around and looked at me, and he held a gun up to his mouth as to say, shh. And I, don't, I just kind of went numb at that point. And he turned around and walked out of the living room back towards uh, the other rooms in the back of the house. And all I could think of was, if I can just get out of here, because I'm so close to the front door, I'll just,
1: you know, take off running. Kathleen tiptoed toward the front door and she was almost there when at the last minute she glanced over her shoulder. The man with the gun was standing at the other end of the hallway staring at her. And there was a second man standing beside him. They didn't say a word, just stared and motioned for her to come back inside the house.
3: And of course I did. At that point I just was, you know, If my knees could have uh, made a sound, they were just, like, knocking. I was just so frightened.
1: She walked toward the men, and when she got to the back of the house into the kitchen, she found her friends sitting silently around the kitchen table. Except for Carmella and Steve. They were still in the front yard. Steve and I, not
2: knowing what's going on, start to go in, and I, you know, I— Steve didn't come in for a, a few minutes. I walked in first without him. And there is Bear standing with these two guys that I don't know. And Bear says, Carmella, these two guys are running from the police. They're going to stay here until dark, and then I'm going to take them away. Was he calm? Well, he said it very calmly. Now, you've got to get a little glimpse into who Bear is. He was a, an army ranger. He had done tours in Vietnam. You know, if, if there was going to be a fight, you want him on your side. So this is, this is who is sitting there saying, Carmela, very calmly, this is what's happening, you know, just they're going to be here until dark, and I'm going to take them away. What did the men look like? Um, One of them was really tall. Um, the other one, you may not know who I'm going to reference here, but uh, did you ever see Young Frankenstein, the movie? Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a character in it that is played by the actor Marty Feldman, who is a short guy with bug eyes. And... the the shorter guy looked a lot like Marty Feldman both of them looked kind of wired like they'd been going for a while they looked kind of tense and wired but when I saw them I I like I I I just you never know what your reaction's going to be okay my reaction was I look at them and I go Oh, hell no. You are not staying in my house. Get the hell out of my house right this minute. And I start pushing them.
3: I remember Carmela's husband saying he was trying to tell her, you know, to be quiet and that they had a gun, but he couldn't get a word in edgewise. It was like she didn't want any part of it. She wanted him out of her house, and that was it.
2: I am yelling the whole time. You get out of my house right this minute. Do you know that there are our police cars, motorcycle cops and vans, they're right outside. And if you don't get out right now, I'm gonna tell them that you're in here. And there's an undercurrent of other voices saying things while I'm doing this. And I'm not really paying them much mind, but the other voices are like Bear going, Carmella, shut up, Do they have guns. Carmella, shut up. Carmella, get calm. Get calm. Be calm. Carmella, quit talking. But I'm not listening to any of that. I'm just yelling for them to get the hell out of my house right this minute.
3: She had one of them almost out the back door. He kind of freaked, and that's when he put the gun in her face and said that if, you know, they're going to die, we're all going to die at that point. You know, I just kind of lost it. And myself and another young lady just started you know, crying. I was like, that's it. And of course, Carmela's eyes got big as quarters, and she just stopped and backed off and was like, oh, okay. I just didn't notice the guns before. I was so set on,
2: I felt like such an intrusion. It was such a invasion for someone to be in my house. I mean, this is the first house I ever owned. And what, what were they doing in there? I didn't invite them into my house. It was really, really, um, you would think I'd be scared, I'd be vulnerable, all these other things. But I was just really mad. I was so mad. And uh, I couldn't see straight until he actually pulled the gun to my head. So I take a breath, and then I look around. Kathy is crying at the kitchen table. And I think, what am I going to do? And I look up and I said, this is really weird that I said this, but, you know, just trying to make things better. I said, "Um, would you like some iced tea or
1: baby Ruth? I mean, I just... Do people still buy baby Ruth? I've never heard anyone (laughs) say that candy bar name for a long time. (laughs) It was like I just
2: wanted to make it better. And so um, I... uh, just offer him something to drink and eat. And Did they take you up on it? Not at that moment, no. And um, at that time, Steve has finally walked in from outside, walks to the back of the house, walks into the kitchen, and sees these two guys. Now, whether he saw the gun or not, I don't really know, but the gun was definitely out at that time. He looks up and... uh, he said it just kind of evaluates the situation and he, he later said he thought that we must know these guys and that it did not look safe and uh, he was going to leave so he says uh come on Susie we're going home <laughs> and and we're all looking at him like what and uh, he said uh, we're going home right now and the guy said uh, the big guy he says uh, pulls the gun on him. You're not going anywhere.
0: Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
1: Support for Criminal comes from Quince. It's spring, and you might be in the mood to get rid of some clutter. A good place as any to start is your wardrobe. Having just a few high quality, timeless pieces of clothing feels a lot better than a closet full of stuff you're not that thrilled about. You can get some of those well-made essentials from Quince. Quince is a brand that offers luxury clothing essentials at reasonable prices. They have a wide variety of items like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and 14 karat gold jewelry. All of Quince's stuff is affordable. In fact, they're priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're able to do that because they partner directly with top factories. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com/criminal for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q U I N C E.com/criminal to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com/criminal You realized you were stuck with these guys now for a while. What What did you all do? Well, Steve and Bear
2: kind of went into the living room with the two guys, which we could see them, but we weren't with them. And Bear said, "Well, we'll come in here and and let's uh, drink a beer. How about let's have a beer." I think somebody up there might have even had a joint, and Bear said, "Let's just, you know, let's drink a beer
3: and just calm down for a minute and relax." Bear was always very quiet. He's very what I called Southern. Doesn't really talk that much, and you know, he's just a was just a good old guy. But I really uh, realize that. He has a, you know, has a way about him, that he can get along with anyone. But I would have never, ever would have guessed that he would have been able to sit there and, you know, actually got them to trust him. One at a time, the guys
2: went into the bathroom and took a shower and changed clothes, which was really weird. There they are taking Bear's clothes and putting them on you know, getting a fresh shirt. And um, as they're sitting around, the the four guys, um, the tall guy looks at them, looks at Bear and Steve, and he's just looking for a little understanding. And he says, So, don't you guys know any outlaws? And Steve, um, who did have a good, sense of humor, <laughs> although I don't know how he found it at that moment. He said, the, the only outlaws I know are Willie Nelson and Whelan Jennings. Well, you know, I, you may not know or you may know Willie Nelson and Whelan Jennings had a band called the Outlaws. <laughs> and so that was the best they could do to relate to these outlaws.
1: Were you in the kitchen or were you in other rooms thinking to yourself, how are we going to escape? How are we going to get out of here?
2: Well... We are sitting there. Me and the girls are sitting in the
3: uh kitchen. I, I was just so mortified and so scared. I just sat there. I and we were just very quiet. We didn't we did what Steve told us to do, just to be calm and you know, not make any you know Uh, noise or give them any ideas to get excited or the fact that we're, you know, trying to leave or getting up, trying to get water or anything. We just kind of just sat there and we're totally silent. And we could hear Carmela's husband in the living room talking to them. And they seemed to be uh, having, you know, a calm conversation. So we just kind of sat there and just waited.
1: Did anyone have to go to the bathroom? No, I don't think so. We, we were just all, like, shocked. So would the two men kind of peek their head in the kitchen every once in a while and just make sure that you were still sitting there at the table and then return to the living room with Bayer? Well, um, where we
3: were situated, you could actually, where they were sitting in the living room, they could see straight back to the kitchen where we were, were at the table, so they could see us at all times. And I'm thinking, we could totally go out the back door and run out
2: the back door, but then that might really make them angry, and maybe they would kill Bear and Steve if we did that. And so that kind of kept us in line. How long were they there? Hours. They were there for hours. Um, They were waiting for it to get dark because, I mean, obviously all those policemen were looking for them. They were who they were after. They were in the neighborhood, and and later on, I, I, I will tell you that we found out that they had beaten up a policeman. They had taken his gun, and, you know, when it's that situation, the police really, really want to capture them. I mean, so. How did they end up leaving? What did they say? Well, um, Bear said... Uh, I think it's time for us to go, and it's it's dark enough, and I think we should go ahead and go. And um, the guy said, uh, if you call the police, uh, we'll kill him. We'll kill Bear. So don't make any phone calls until he's back. So they take off. They get in the Ford van, and they... And they leave. So I call my brother in Claxton. And so I am Don, yeah? I said, Don, um, we've been held hostage by escaped convicts for the last several hours. And um, they've taken Bear and he's gonna drop them off somewhere. And uh, they told me if I call the police, they'll kill him. And I don't really know what to do. What do you think I should do? and Don says, don't call mom and dad they are at a dance at the Elks Club and there's nothing that they could do And it would, th- <laughs> you would, you'd hate to ruin their night I said, okay, I won't call them and uh, I said, well, what about Uncle John? He goes, yeah, call Uncle John well, my Uncle John I don't know if you've noticed, but the name Carmela is very Italian in fact, it's Sicilian and um we always kind of teased about Uncle John that, because um, I mean, he was involved in so many different businesses. We just kind of, um, we, <laughs> we always kind of wondered exactly what all he did. And um, he, he definitely had that tough guy, Sicilian look like he could kill you with a glance. And uh, you know, you always felt like he could take care of anything. So I call Uncle John and I tell him what's going on. He said, I'll come over. So Uncle John is coming and we're I'm sitting there sketching because I felt like the police are gonna want to know what this guy looked like and this, you know sketching without looking at someone was not really my forte, but I was trying to capture some little look of the two men and I'm drawing and the phone rings. It's my parents. My dad says, Don just called us and told us what happened. And I'm just thinking, Don, of course he did. And after I talked to them, I decided I was going to call the police anyway.
1: An officer came immediately, and everyone explained what had happened. And then, with the officers still there, they saw Bear's car pull up. Kathleen remembers that they were so terrified the men might have come back with Bear that they made the police officer hide behind a door. But Bear walked back in alone, safe. He had dropped them off
2: in Norcross, um, which is the northern Atlanta, and he had dropped them off at a dairy queen. and he left. But the two men, we later found out, had gone into the Dairy Queen. They held up the Dairy Queen. They took the manager and his girlfriend, and they took them somewhere in South Georgia where they robbed a bank.
1: Their names were James Edwin Wilkes, Jr. and Murphy Staffins, and they'd escaped from prison in Wayne County. They'd been escorted to a dentist outside of the prison facility, As the dentist told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, he had one of the inmates in the chair and had pulled his tooth halfway out when another inmate came in and put a gun in his face. The one I was working on, the dentist said, will be in some pain. They were eventually caught after bloodhounds found their trail in North Florida. They'd been running and holding people hostage for six days. By the time they were caught, according to the sheriff... They'd been pretty well worked over by mosquitoes and yellow flies.
2: Luckily, they weren't killers. And the, we had heard that they had, were on a path of badness, and um, they had also been up all night. And so they were sleep-deprived, and they were carrying guns. And I'll tell you one thing that really unnerved me in a weird way. It unnerved me almost as much as the day that this happened. It was about three weeks later. I was changing the linen on the bed and I felt something a little odd and I slipped my hand between the mattress and the box springs and I pull out a gun. I had been Leaping on top of this gun, this loaded gun. And so I call the police, and I tell them that this gun is there. Oh, my God. Like 20 cops pull up in front of the house, and they're all running in to, to get this gun. And that was really,
1: really crazy. Does it feel like the world is more dangerous now than it was then? You
2: know, yes,
1: yes. It does, and
2: uh, it does feel like a less safe world. But but there's
1: so much more communication we hear about, so much more. Um, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it sounds, even though these men had guns, this sounds like a story that you wouldn't hear about today. Yeah. All sharing yeah, a joint and just waiting till the sun <laughs> goes, <laughs> goes down. <laughs> um,
2: you know, you've got... You've got um, someone who, you know, Bear bear had dealt with danger and um, I I think um, had been in the military, had really, you know, been um, in situations where people tell tall tales, um, you know, around a pit that they could jump into when the next bomb goes off. Um, I, I think... He was well-suited for the task of, um, of, of dealing with people in a dangerous
1: situation. Bear, whose name was actually Frederick Howard, passed away in 2011. How often have you told this story?
2: I have told this story many times and sat around with friends on the beach in a circle. And this is one of my favorite things. You just say, all right, let's everybody tell their best story. And isn't that the most entertaining thing to sit around with friends around a table or on the beach and to tell, tell stories, real stories of that have happened and to hear people's stories. I, um, I I think that it just doesn't get any better than that. Whenever I go, I'm called for jury duty. They never want me because they always ask, is there anyone here that has been victim to a crime? And I always have to say, well, you know, the only thing I can think of is I was held hostage by escaped convicts, and they never want me.
1: So... (laughs) Criminal is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Teresa Katsourilis is our assistant producer. Audio mix by Rob Byers. Special thanks to Carmela's daughter, Jenna Alstead, who convinced her mother to speak with us. Julian Alexander makes original illustrations for each episode of Criminal. You can see them at thisiscriminal.com and find us on Facebook and Twitter at Criminal Show. Criminal is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, a collection of the best podcasts around. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal.
3: Utopia.